Welcome back to another episode of Life's But a Song, a podcast that likes to live in the land of musicals. I'm your host, John. With me today is a very, very special guest. She is currently the standby Glinda in Wicked. However, she originated the role of Patrice on Broadway in 13, the musical. It's Allie Trim, everyone. Woohoo! Hi! Hi. <laughs> Wait, is the stage version just 13? Or is it uh, yes. 13 the musical? 13 the musical. 13 the musical. Yeah. I didn't know if they added the musical for the Netflix movie. That's why I was like, ooh, wait. <laughs> Netflix 13 the musical, the movie, the series. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like it's going to be next. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so 13 the musical, the movie version, came out in this year, 2022. Uh, screenplay by Robert Horn based on the Broadway musical book by Dan Eilish? Eilish. Eilish. Mm-hmm. And Eilish. Robert And Robert Horn. Uh, music and lyrics by Jason Robert Brown, which I need to, I need to put a pin in that for a hot second. Uh, and uh-huh. <laughs> directed by Tamara Davis. And according to IMDb, after his parents' divorce, Evan Goldman moves from New York City to small town Indiana. As his 13th birthday nears, he must master the complex social circles of his new school and win friends by turning his bar mitzvah into the coolest party ever. I, I swear I can read. I just don't. It's just <laughs> like. Quentin, <laughs> you're looking to make sure you don't miss any syllables, yeah, any letters. Yeah, because like. That's a lot of words for. <laughs> that's that's it's it's fine. It's early in the morning. We're still having our coffee. It's st- we're still waking, we're waking up. up. Um. Okay. So I only know Jason Robert Brown from like Songs for New World. Uh, the last five years. This is wild, because <laughs> this cause yeah. those those are like ballady very emotionally driven songs and then at least for the movie because also i've never seen the stage version so this is oh my gosh so i'm gonna refer to you a lot for this but yeah i got you covered i know i know the stage version well (laughs) oh i'm so glad Uh, (laughs) but like these are like top 40s bops like all of the songs yeah, and they have his, I mean, I feel like you can really hear him in the groove of all of these songs. Like, you can hear the pulse of the music has this, like, just this groove to it. But also, I knew, I did not know any of Jason's work until 13. Like, I was a child when I was introduced to 13, and that was my introduction to him. So it might be like my lens of him starts with the groovy bops and then spreads into these like dramatic, beautiful ballads, um, just because that's what I heard first. But it's so, yeah, I know that people probably are surprised by like, yeah, these bangers, these like radio hits. Opportunity. So good. So good. So opportunity was in the Broadway version, but was cut. And I was so happy to see it back in the movie. Oh yeah, I did. Okay, so the Wikipedia page does have all of that 
there's also like 10 songs that they cut from the show, but they added two for the movie. Yeah, there were a lot of changes. And I'm sure that some things just didn't translate on screen. But, uh, you know, I, I'm personally have lots of feelings about it. And I'm sure people who saw the movie knowing the musical also had strong feelings. And honestly, I'm sure that the that Jason and Robert and Dan had strong feelings about it being cut too. Nobody... Yeah, well, I mean, like they... Uh, I mean, Robert was obviously part of the process of writing for the movie. So at mm-hmm. least there was... It wasn't like handed to a new group of people to write and edit and butcher in some cases. True, yeah. I'm not gonna lie, and this isn't just because it's you here. I feel like they've done Patrice dirty in the movie. Oh, man. We'll get into it. Okay. We'll get into it. But totally, I think so, too. Well, let's talk about the show for a hot second. Uh, Just a little background information, because this is, I didn't know this, and I'm very upset with myself that I didn't see this. I mean, I was in my 20s when this came out. So, Mm -hmm. um, because it premiered, the world premiere was in January 2007 in California, and then it moved to the Norma Terrace Theater in Connecticut, presented by Goodspeed. And mm-hmm. then it went to Broadway in 2008. However, I believe in all three of those productions, it was all teens. Like, teen actors, teen, even teen band. That's yeah. what they're saying. Yeah, I joined the show when it was in Goodspeed, Connecticut. Um, I, I auditioned in California before they did their production out of town. And then I... I went with it to Broadway, but yeah, it was all teenagers. We were all, I was 13 at the time. And I think like the majority of us were 13, 14, um, obviously because it was developed over the span of a couple of years. Some people ended up being a little bit older by the time we opened, but right. the band was all teenagers as well. And they were fantastic. They were incredible musicians and you wouldn't, you wouldn't know by listening to the music, you would not know that they were kids doing those guitar solos and playing those crazy Jason Robert Brown piano. <laughs> and like, and like, I, I know for when um, musical movies are created from like the stage version, they add more instrumentation, more like they can do more because they have the time and they could always, you know, cut paste, you know, and all this. So is the music that much different from the stage version? No, I mean, I, I think the music all sounded really familiar and there were some elements that it was almost like I could hear they took pieces of songs that were not in the movie and that were that I did recognize from the different variations of the stage musical that then turned into like other elements. It was like they morphed. They took pieces of Jason's music and turned it into something fresh and new for the for the movie. Um, even if it was just like, you know, the the background of the scene, the instrumentals behind a scene that was going on, I was hearing little melodies and little pieces where I'm like, oh, that song, you know, there, it was very sweet. It was very fun. And like the song with um, the, the mom with Deborah Messing and Eli Golden, I think. Yeah. Um, that song was a new song that was written for the movie, but right. was very, very reminiscent of a song that was cut from the musical called Being a Geek. And so I could hear these little motifs, these melodies, these um, chords that were very clearly to me pieces of these old songs that didn't make it into even the Broadway version that were then kind of 
transformed into something new for the movie version. And I thought that was very cool to see like, yeah, just to see little gems of, of the show's past peppered into the, the present version. So in the Broadway version though, are there, um, so there are no adult actors in it. However, do ensemble members play adult actors or is there no, no there were just no adults at all it was, it was... completely kids um it... anything that could have been referenced like anything that was involving an adult would basically be like a kid on stage like talking to the fourth wall um as if the audience is like where the adult would be so they just didn't have no adults had any lines there was just no interaction with the adults you were really only seeing the kids world the teenagers world so very charlie brown in a way where yeah 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 and that obviously you know it makes sense why that wouldn't translate on screen when you can just have adults you know and it, and it added something really realistic it gave you a really realistic glimpse into what these kids lives actually look like and I thought it was very fun you know I thought that having the mom and the dad and the grandma I thought it was very fun and, and Josh, Josh Peck because yeah. <laughs> there's at the at the end when they sing um what's that song a little more homework uh it's the the rabbi um not the rabbi the bar mitzvah scene and like you just see all four adults <laughs> behind Evan I was like that's it there's yeah. only four adults in this movie like I lost my mind a little bit too watching this because I was just like okay so this is a movie you can expand more I get it kids did I mean at first I didn't know about the all teen cast and band part of the Mm -hmm. show but I'm watching the movie and I'm just like only kids are at the bar mitzvah not their parents (laughs) yeah (laughs) I I get it. I'm not the target audience. I I am. <laughs> I will say that right off the bat. I I am probably twice the age of what the target audience is. Uh, but I was just like, this is. They did Patrice so dirty. I'm so upset. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like, I don't know. Obviously, we could never know what goes on behind the scenes with what makes the cut and what doesn't. Mm-hmm. But. I thought that some of the things that I'm either assuming were cut that were like there and then cut at the last minute, maybe like helped with the pace of the movie going faster, but like really affected the storyline. Like it really affected the plot in ways that, yeah, that, that made it very confusing why Patrice was so angry. Is there a reason is, the, is is there like a like a song or something that explains why she hates crap? What's her name? Who's, the, who's Lucy? Lucy, yeah. Well, there are a lot of things that were different. Like there were so many things that were different, and and ultimately, I think I have to wrap my head around this movie is a new story. It's a new story with new characters that are portrayed in new ways, and. That's as yeah. easy as it is for my brain to going into like, oh, well, that's different. And compared to what I know, it's different. And I'm sure a lot of people are in that kind of comparison game. It's just it, they're new characters. Like what I remember of the Broadway version, the popular kids were very mean. They were they were explicitly. Okay. Mean. <laughs> and in this movie, I'm watching thinking that they've they've written these characters like no one's particularly mean. Everyone is is truly justified in where they're coming from. This version of Lucy was ignored by her best friend the entire summer. And then she finds out that her best friend Kendra has been 
it's not that she couldn't text Lucy if she wanted to. It's just that she chose not to. So, so Lucy's frustration is justified in this movie. And yeah, but Petra, she goes to the extreme. She goes to the extreme. <laughs> it, it's just like in the Broadway version, Lucy's character is just cutthroat mean. Like there's name calling. There's there there are words that can't be in this Netflix version because it's not appropriate enough for a friend, a kid friendly audience. A lot of the the meanness of the jokes of the show couldn't be, I, I mean, I'm, this is my guess, couldn't be put into this family-friendly movie because in a Broadway show, you're not bringing a five-year-old to the theater. You're not bringing a seven-year-old to the theater necessarily. Yeah. You're bringing a, a kid who's old enough to justify paying a $100 ticket for, and they're going to maybe be able to understand and handle some of the jokes. Also, some of the jokes of 2008, Right. were different than the jokes you can make in 2022. So I'm sure that that was going on in their mind too. And I think that all makes a lot of sense to me. But one effect of that is that the kids that were supposed to be the mean, popular, mean kids just didn't seem that mean to me. They seemed really cool and creative. Chill, and yeah. And like friendly and they just want to have their first kiss and it was so fun. And I'm like, why is Patrice mad at them? We don't really get a, a sense of what happened to make them and Patrice not get along. Um, and kind in the, oh, go ahead. I was going to say to kind of like compare it to another show, um, follow me on the strain. So <laughs> in Heather's, the musical, mm-hmm. they have that one song, Kindergarten Boyfriend. And I was expecting that kind of song for Patrice in this movie, where it's like, why do you not like them? Were you all friends? And then all of a sudden they were, uh, Lucy was like, I'm going to be popular. Peace out. You know, cause that's in t- to me, yeah. what I grew, what we grew up watching in teen movies is that there's always that moment where it's like, Oh, it's justifying the disconnect between right. Them. Where one of them was like, hell, even in the recent season of stranger things, like Lucas wanted just to become popular so he hung out with the basketball kids and everything. Yeah. Like, yeah. I was waiting for that moment and it never came to be. Yeah, I think, you know, part of it in the in the beginning, like setting up the storyline in the theatrical version of the show, there's really a standoff. There's really like the popular kids, Lucy included and Brett, you know, all of them kind of saying, to Evan explicitly if she's coming if Patrice is coming to your party we're not coming like like they're they're very explicitly saying she is not cool enough we do not like her you get to pick it's us or her and the the popular kids are the ones that put that choice on Evan not Patrice oh yeah because in front of the whole school Evan rips up Patrice's invitation and chooses the popular kids over her and to me that justifies a lot of Patrice's anger as uh, you know towards Evan for like you you humiliated me you disrespected me I showed up as such a good friend for you and then this is how you act when push comes to shove that's really it justifies her frustration and then also in the musical version, there's a song that was there that was not included in the movie called, um, I think it was titled Terminal Illness. Yes. And very explicitly, Evan using Archie's terminal illness to Evan's own advantage, saying you can get pity from our parents 
because no one says no to a boy with a fatal disease. That was one of the lyrics. That was like the main chorus. And that's how they get the tickets to the scary movie is that Archie says, oh, it's my dying wish and I want to go to the movie. And that's how they do it. So even that in the movie, we see Patrice's anger is, Evan, you're using Archie to your own advantage. But in the movie, I mean, in the musical, it's like, yeah, it's a little bit more jaw dropping of, there's a serious character development that has to happen. And there's some serious justification. Just, just, Patrice's anger is absolutely justified. And then it all culminates with this song, What It Means to Be a Friend, where it's this, it's the classic JRB ballad that That's was not even... in, it, it was in the movie. It was filmed. It was sung. It was performed. And then in the final, final moments, it was put on the chopping floor it was it was it, which is so i'm sure gut-wrenching for gabriella who was playing patrice and luckily netflix actually released that almost like a music video they released it was like a deleted scene that they released to the public so oh. i've seen it i've seen her performance she's beautiful she sings it so beautifully she portrays the emotion so beautifully and um I, you know, that's just something, that's just how it goes sometimes with movie editing. But so much of this story of the buildup of why Patrice is so angry, why she has this sense of right and wrong and justice needs to be served. And then why in the movie, she is the one to kind of tattle on the whole scary movie situation. We only are getting part, I thought we're only getting part of the picture in this movie. Yes. And I work really hard to like remove what I know, like the backstory that I know from previous versions and let the movie speak for itself and tell its own new story. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not fair to the movie to be bringing in pieces that were intentionally removed from the movie. For, it's a new story. It's just a new story. And so, just, think, text, yeah. so just text Robert real quick yeah. uh, <laughs> and be like, yo, Robert, what did you do to my character? What did you do to Patrice? Like, what's up? Well, yeah and you know i'm sure like the netflix producer side of it like whoever the producers i'm sure they had a lot of this say too they wouldn't have filmed it they wouldn't have filmed what it means to be a friend if they didn't intend on having it in the movie and then in the final final few minutes take it out you know I, i don't know the reasoning behind all of their things and and when you're trying to get 90 minutes to be your cutoff you gotta you win some you lose some but in terms of like Patrice's character, I felt like, yeah, she deserved better. She deserved a better, better storytelling on her behalf. Um, and Archie as well. Archie is such a pivotal character for this show. And um, both of these actors that were playing Patrice and Archie were so capable. And I almost want like a spinoff. I want a second movie. I want to see all the deleted scenes. I want yes. all the bloopers. Like I want more of that. Just- I feel feel like also now again not the target audience (laughs) I feel like also a lot of the what is said and sung basically and how they're basically the kids are great but I feel like they're saying words that adults think kids are saying these days or that (laughs) what kids want to hear and then they are directed in a way as adults think kids would act I don't know if it was different for the stage version, but like the 
a lot of what they say, I'm just like, you're having an existential crisis and you're 12. Like, like it sounds like <laughs> midlife crisis moment and overly dramatic mm-hmm. moments. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Because I also think that when you're 12 years old, things do feel that dramatic. Things do feel that emotionally, oh. like the stakes feel so high, even if it's a first kiss or it's, it's your, you know, like your parents divorce. I, I do think that the stakes are so high for kids because they're not thinking about paying their rent. They're not thinking about, you know, getting their dentist appointment because they haven't gone to the dentist in six years. They're not thinking about like the, the things that take the focus of adults brains in terms of these are the most important things. All they have to think about is their own experiences of connecting with friendships or, you know, learning about romance, learning about who they are, learning about self-expression. That's all they're doing. I mean, they're also, I guess, like learning in school. Right. Yes. Or like practicing their hobbies. Like, I don't know, what else are kids doing? So of course the stakes are going to be so high. It's all they have to think about. It's all they have to do. But don't get me wrong. These kids are stupidly talented. I can't wait to see their futures. And also... Jamal Sims is the choreographer. Like, holy cow! What? Like, okay, really blown away. Okay, I hate to keep comparing it to the stage show, but like, I have never seen it, so I have, I have no frame of reference. Was the choreo like that hardcore as it is? No, I mean, (laughs) (laughs) the choreography was great, um, but like when when, and and I've been waiting. Like when they're on the staircase in the movie, I was just like, this is wild. I love all of this. I love that. Because this is like classic um, musical theater moment yeah. happening. And I lo- I live for this. <laughs> yeah. And that's something that I think is so special about having a, a film medium to tell the same story is that you can communicate certain things on film that you just can't communicate in the same way on stage. And I don't actually know, like I didn't ever like pause the screen to count how many bodies were on the screen at a time, but we only had 13 of us in the show. So you have a giant Broadway stage. Wait, 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 wait. There's, there's 13 kids in 13, the musical, and they're all supposed to be 13 years old. Got it. Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> remember correctly that is what we were working with and then when you when you remember that one of the characters on stage is in crutches one of them me is not like like I'm not me but Patrice I mean is not on stage for most of these big dance numbers because she's not a part of that Evan is the one standing and singing somewhere else so that puts you down to 10 you've only got 10 bodies to fill a full Broadway stage for a thousand fifteen hundred people you're not going to get that same like bam effect of seeing a swarm of kids do this fierce choreography and that's something that was so satisfying to watch in the movie is these talented kids that I could not have even dreamt of dancing the way that they were dancing when I was 13 years old or today for that matter they were giving so much talent in that choreography and when uh I want to get her name I want to find her name um Lindsay Blackwell who plays Kendra what started wailing I was Holy just like yeah. I was I, I I want to see her in every role now. I want to see her as um uh crap, what's her name in company, Ladies Who Lunch. I want to see her do that. I want to see her <laughs> I, I want to see her 
do defying gravity. I want to yeah. see. I want to see her act opposite you, actually, as Elphaba. Yeah. Like, like I'm ready for any of these kids to like take over Broadway or yeah, musical I'm, movies or something. I don't know what it is. Like, kids these days are so talented. I'm sure kids have always been talented, but I was watching this movie thinking the same thing, thinking like, oh my gosh these performers have it all they're they're giving great acting choices phenomenal vocals and really complex and beautifully crisp choreography and you have to remember too this was filmed during covid yeah so to have during covid too i don't even know if anyone had in-person auditions i think it was all probably virtual so there's a lot of trust you're putting into i could be wrong don't quote me on that but i think i I mean that makes in 2020 that makes a lot of sense because like they probably or they were like final rounds may have been in person but like sending submissions was probably all by tape and everything and it's like and what and like that's that's the other thing too i really appreciate about this is like they filmed this also last year when we were when we were kind of learning more about pandemic and everything so it was i mean you yeah you can't tell you cannot tell yeah, absolutely not. You can't tell. It looks like it was made any other time. But again, where are the parents during the bar mitzvah? <laughs> Maybe it's like like because the kids aren't paying attention to the parents, we're not supposed to pay attention to them either. We're just mm. seeing what the kids are seeing, you know? So know. what did you think? Okay, we kind of did talk about it would be funny where, I mean, it's nice that they have um, Deborah Messing playing the mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, which that wig is awful but anyway uh, <laughs> it was nice to have her sing because you know I we know her from Will and Grace where her mm-hmm. singing was kind of a joke so it was nice to hear her actually sing something but what did you think of the Bloodmaster? I loved the Bloodmaster. I um it, it remind I mean it served the same purpose that a different song in the Broadway musical served and I thought that which song was that? I think it was also called The Bloodmaster, but it was just a little different. Like, or no, 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 no. You know what? It was it was like a blend. It was All Hail the Brain. And it was mostly Evan singing and coming up with this elaborate plan of how he was going to make the date work and get Brett and Kendra together and get Archie to think he was with Kendra. And he was going through this elaborate plan. And then he was imagining the success of like, oh, when I do this, everyone's going to love me. It's going to be amazing. But it was all in his imagination, which is oh. maybe why they decided not to put that in the movie because we're in a realistic world in the movie and an imaginary scene isn't going to work. Like on stage, we had the cheerleaders coming out with big feather fans, like fanning him and lifting him up and praising him. And everybody loved him. It's his imagination of I'm going to be so popular and everyone's going to sing all hail the brain. He was called the brain, uh, his like nickname. (laughs) And so anyway, it served the same purpose in terms of like that song in the Broadway musical was him coming up with the plan for how to make it all work. And then the Bloodmaster in the movie is still him saying, I have a plan here's what we're going to do. We're going to go to the movies. We're going to have a scary moment. We're going to sneak in. And you also still get the same moment of Lucy being like, wait a second. Uh, uh-uh, I don't want this to happen, which was a different melody. It was different, a, a different yes. musical moment. But I was also with, with um, Frankie, the girl playing Lucy in this, when she comes in hot with, hold up, hold up. I don't know all the words. I mean, 
her vocals just kind of <laughs> I was so into it. I was so into this this new song. I and mean, I was catchy. You know, all of his all of Jason's songs are so catchy. Well, so okay. I so the lamest place in the world, which mm-hmm. is is Patrice's song. Um, I'm confused in the movie because I I can't tell if it's all just like her thoughts, but like they're doing other things, or if it starts off like you know they're in this musical world and then it ends up it's just her inner monologue at the end of the summer. You know, what mm-hmm. I mean? yeah, I kind of see what you're saying. Because you definitely get a lot of like, here I'm actually showing you around, and then you also right. get a bridge of like, you're completely exotic, intellectual, neurotic. Like it is kind of hard to tell how much of this is. And then it kind of ends. Saying, um, and then it kind of ends with her being like, "Oh, he's cute." Yeah, well, that's also a difference from the m- movie is that with her and Evan, all we see ever is friendship, and in the Broadway musical. There was a little kiss. There was a little romance underneath the So again, it's like the stakes are different. Although I kind of have to say, this is rare in musicals that the, okay, this is kind, I know that this is kind of an ensemble piece, but Evan is the lead. I'm not going mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. lie. And it's kind of interesting that the love story isn't his. It's it's uh, supporting lead. Yeah. Yeah. So so that's really that's fascinating as like even as a teen like teen movie, Broadway move Broadway musical, whatever, uh, musical movie, that it's not the lead who gets the person. It's the it's like side characters or supporting leads that are like, this is the love story that or the love triangle-ish yeah. that happens. <laughs> And I don't know. I I don't know exactly what I think of it because part of me is like my brain is trained to want the love story between Evan and Patrice or in any show between the main character and the main either male or female character that's opposite them. Like my brain is going, I want them to be romance. I want them to end up together. Like I want to fight for them. I want to see them come together. And then another part of me is like, maybe that's just how storytelling in society has trained me to think. And maybe it is kind of nice to see a story of a boy and a girl who really genuinely just are friends. And maybe we need to see more of that in our storytelling, you know, of like, just because you're friends doesn't mean you have to be romantically involved at the same time. Because I think, you know, when I was 13 and I looked at movies and TV and musicals to show me how to be, it was always, you know, there's, you always they always fall in love in the end and so maybe there's something to be gained from seeing a genuine friendship that stays at a friendship because that's what the relationship is because like now that now talking with you i'm having like different feelings about this movie um i mean i'm not gonna lie i don't like evan as a character i he he seems to something and i don't know what that word is Mm -hmm. like maybe full of himself selfish he's very selfish he's very like i know he's 13 but like these kids talk like they're 35 years old so he's not like mom how are you like like something like that Uh, or or he's very like one track mind you know party popularity party but 
I think this movie may also just be about him finding self-love. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that um, both in the, in the Broadway version and also in the movie, the idea is you're seeing this flawed character who's putting his focus in the wrong areas, figure it out that like, ah, it's not about popularity. It's not about everybody who loves me, but also a difference from the movie to the musical is that in the musical, I think he ended up with only Patrice and Archie at his bar mitzvah. Like he didn't get it all in the end. And he found peace with that. He ended up kind of pushing himself away from the cool kids. And actually he like punches Brett and everything saying, you suck. Like, I don't know why I wanted to be your friend so badly, but I don't, you know, I don't, I don't want this. And he has really, truly like a coming of age lesson that he learns of it's not about popularity. It's not about getting these people to like me. It's about liking myself and it's about treating the people who love me well. And, and there's a big lesson learned. And in the muse, in the movie, everyone is so cool from the get go that it's like, you know, everyone, it's a happy ending. But I think, I think it's more on a similar vein of like, I mean, yes, I need to be, I want to be cool in this new town and everything. And like, um, I have to learn a different lifestyle because he's part of, he knows New York City very well. But also like, you can't focus on being one thing. And I, I, I think that's probably what the movie's trying to say. Yeah, there's like, it's that could absolutely be the takeaway from an audience perspective of like, as as you said, the popular kids in the show they are mean, evil, cruel. They are all these things. Is Kendra cruel? Uh, is I mean cruel or is she? Mean? No, she's like at best, she's just kind of like ditzy a little bit. Okay. At least that's the way she was. She was written in the musical. It was very like naive, innocent. Uh, you know, kind-hearted, kind-spirited. But not like but a also, bully. Yeah, she was not a bully, but Lucy was a bully. And Brett was um, problematic as well. So because they cha- they kind of changed Brett's character to be like the, the cool jock that everyone loves yeah. um, for the movie, I think they wanted to just focus on Evan's self rather than his need to fit in with these people who are toxic. And I think that we actually see some of that with his relationship with his rabbi. I don't know that I've ever seen in a movie or a musical, a representation of like what somebody's relationship with their rabbi looks like, particularly the way they chose to represent it with Josh Peck. But I think that you have this kind of funny, wise, but young guy being like, Hey, what are you doing? Like, what are you're focusing on the wrong what are you what do you want what are you doing and you see evan kind of uh you know hesitant to that resistance and then by the end of the movie he does right by his by himself and by his rabbi he does he sings his half torah beautifully he gets a little bit of clarity and i think that's kind of a cool thing that we didn't get in the musical that we get to see is this this really cool relationship with someone and their mentor someone and their rabbi i've i've thought that was fun for me to see i had not seen that before so there's one speaking of not seeing before there's one person I want to like also highlight and that's uh Luke Islam he played Carlos he used the oh my gosh he was so fabulous 
So apparently he made it to the semifinals of America's Got Talent season 14 when he was 12. Oh my gosh. Like singing, dancing? Singing. Singing. Wow. And um uh and he received the golden buzzer from Julianne Hoff and everything. I'm not oh an AG I'm not an AGT person, but I was just like, who is this kid? Because they kept re- going to him for like reactionary shots and everything. Yeah. And also what's what I really appreciated because like I've I'm a bigger guy. I've always been a bigger kid. And yeah. usually boys that are bigger in like these kind of TV shows and movies, they're the bully. Or they're like some sort of like funny side character, like Damien and Mean Girls. He's <laughs> he is bigger, but he's the side character. So for the character Carlos to be wailing and keeping up and dancing and everything, I was just so floored by it and um you know i just wanted to be like oh my god like i i could see if i was 13 watching this for the first time i would be like that's i can i can do this now i don't have to be chiseled or skinny to be a to be in a musical movie or something yeah Anyway, <laughs> I think that's that's true. I think that something that the movie really, really succeeds in is representation. And you see a lot of kids and, and, and not even it's not spoken about. It's not like representation. No. It's truly just like I think a lot of people are going to watch this movie and just see themselves in somebody on the screen. I mean, they did kind of take the Disney Channel original movie route where it was like, we're going to costume you to be this person to represent. Sure. Because there's that one character who has the half-dyed hair, and I was just like, non-binary? Well, maybe. And, you know, I think whether they were doing it with the intention... I mean, what I don't know. I don't know that actor. Maybe that was how their hair already was. And either Probably. way, I think someone who feels non-binary or who is just... I think a lot of kids... I mean, every child, when they're like 12 to 15 or... 18 they're all everyone's kind of discovering their sexuality discovering their self-expression yes it does is it gives you a visual to look at i'm even thinking of like all the boys dancing in their football uniforms and and singing bad bad news i just was so thrilled with the way that they filmed that because i grew up with uh you know high school musical and Zach Efron he just he he played football he was the football star or basketball whatever basketball yeah. and he just wanted to sing but he couldn't do both and it was that was the whole point of the story was that he wanted to sing and dance but he couldn't and I like that in this movie we're not even talking about that at all we're just watching these kids dance in their football uniforms like that's just it we're seeing a bunch of a really fierce sassy incredible performances and they happen to be on the football fields and i i think that's great (laughs) i i I do kind of want to knock the styling a little bit because again (laughs) it felt like an adult perspective on kids onto like what they think kids are wearing Mm because when they go see the movie it's like they're going to a formal event (laughs) yeah (laughs) i i was kind of laughing at that too and i remember feeling that way in the Broadway version as well feeling like okay that like as Patrice I was wearing this like long dress and I had this line where I was like I put on my my mother's makeup and this dress and you didn't even look at me and I remember laughing being like this is not like I wouldn't wear the you know I don't know just feeling like 
I, I laughed at that a little bit when I saw the movie too. It didn't bother me. It just made me laugh. Like it made me think like, um, also it made me think, I don't know what people wear in Indiana. Who knows? True. True. And it's like, know, that is how they dress. Yeah. But I also don't know if that's how all kids would dress. Like, I mean. But also you can't watch a movie where everyone's just wearing their jeans and their t-shirt. Cause then it's just then not I, as exciting to look at. Cause then how are you going to sell products at like well. stores <laughs> and everything? Cause I mean that, well, you sure. have to think about it too. Like they're, they would probably because didn't High School Musical do that where they had like a fashion line at like Target or Walmart or something where it was like accessible for everyone? Yeah, so maybe that's what they're going for. Also, there's this one girl in the movie that had wore all of the hair ties in her hair. I think her character's name is Charlotte. She was like the redhead that always oh, yeah. had pigtails, yeah, yeah. and I was just like, adults, <laughs> 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 what are we doing to this child? Because. <laughs> The, the one that she has two pigtails, but like all of them are separated by at least 20 different hair ties on each yeah, pigtail. But like, I don't know. Do you have TikTok? Are you on TikTok? I am on TikTok, yes. I don't know what your For You page looks like, but every now and then I'm getting Gen Z hair tutorials or makeup tutorials. And, you know, I don't, I've seen, I've okay. seen the little pigtails split up with all the hair ties it makes yeah. me think maybe i am an adult and i am you know out of touch with the kids but like in every hairstyle she has <laughs> at least 70 hair ties it must just be her <laughs> her, signature. her signature look yeah <laughs> um before i get into sharp and flat ali is there like any fun stories from the show that you can you can say oh my gosh let's see i mean yeah there are so many i just have to kind of um, the audition process was really interesting for me, at least. I was, I'm from San Diego, uh, and I had done a lot of regional theater growing up and, uh, some, an agency saw me in some shows that I had done and, and basically contacted my mom and was like, do you guys want, does Allie want an agent? And we didn't know really what that even meant. We were just like, sure. Okay. <laughs> and about a week later, the first audition that this agency ever sent me on was for 13. They were doing auditions for one day in LA and they had already done their nationwide sweep. They had been auditioning for a while. They had seen tons of kids and they had one day left in Los Angeles. And it was my first audition for them. And it was also the only audition. So it was, so I, I drove up, my mom drove me up and I get there and I have my Christina Aguilera song ready to go. And I'm- What you song? Know, which, 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 which- It was gonna be, um, oh my gosh. I think Hurt, is there, is there a song that she sings called Hurt? Anyway. Sure, let's go with I didn't it. End, I didn't end up singing it because I'm sitting in the waiting room and I'm like flipping through my book of music thinking, no, this just doesn't feel right. This doesn't feel like me. And I switch my my sheet music and I, I'm called into the room. And, you know, literally Jason Robert Brown is sitting at the table. Robert Horn is sitting there. Everyone's there. I don't know who anybody is. I just walk right on in. Georgia Stitt, Jason's wife, is playing piano. I don't know that. I just go up to her and I say, okay, here's my song. Can you just bounce it up a little? Play it a little bouncy. And she goes, oh, okay. <laughs> okay. So I go and I'm standing there and I say, hi, my name is Allie Trim and I will be singing The Rainbow Connection by Kermit the Frog. Oh. And they all just like their jaws drop. They lean back in their seats and they just looked at me like, what the heck just walked in here? And lo and behold, I sing this rendition of this song that I've known and loved for my entire life. It was like one of my favorite songs growing up. 
And because of that, because of how much I loved it, I really was, I got into it. I was doing some riffs. I mean, I sang the heck out of Kermit the Frog and, and they really responded. They liked it. They were tapping along on the table. And after that, they basically said, okay, can you stay? Can you stick around for what was essentially callbacks? You know, they were like seeing everyone all in one day. So I stuck, I stuck around. They gave me the sheet music for what it means to be a friend. And someone else that was also auditioning said, here, I have a demo of the song you can listen to. So I just luckily was able to like listen to the song and learn it kind of on the spot. And I went back in for my callback. And they had me seeing the, the final, like the bridge to the end of what it means to be a friend. And I sang it once. They said, that was great. Let's try it up a step. And I sang it again. They said, that was great. Let's try it up another half step. And I think I sang this song five times in a row, getting higher and higher every time to the point that, you know, a couple times, you know, my voice cracked a little bit and I felt a little bit like, oh my gosh, oh no, like they're pushing my limits. Like, I don't know. They're going to see that I can't do exactly what they want me to do. And, but I try, you know, I did it anyway. Then they gave me scenes and they uh, had us all stick around for some chemistry reads, basically. And then they had us stick around for a dance call. And I was not prepared for a dance call, both in talent, <laughs> but also clothing. I was wearing a dress and boots, like, like knee high boots. So I didn't have any dance clothes to change into. And I, did this dance call in a dress and boot. I mean, I just looked like a girl who did not know what she was doing in that room. And I'm sorry, I'm sorry to laugh, but like the knee high boots and a dress. Are you kidding? Oh. Yeah. Well, and then the worst part was that on the way up, like I had been wearing a t-shirt and um, Bermuda shorts. So like denim shorts that go down to my knees and I couldn't do the dance call in only a dress because I didn't want to flash anybody. So I put my jean shorts on under my dress with my knee high. Boot. I mean, I just looked like I walked out of a thrift store with everything I could find. <laughs> because the character Patrice is supposed to be this outsider, supposed to be this misfit, you know, awkward kind of person. Uh, it worked. And they saw something in me that they liked. And I... I got the part of, I got the call a couple of weeks later. And in that one audition, I met so many people that ended up being in the show with, with me. And um, they, they cast, they hired a lot of people from that one day in LA and it was a great experience. I mean, it was a really, they were very respectful. They made all of us feel very welcome and capable. And, um, and it was a great audition experience. And it was fun to kind of, be able to share that with a lot of the people that ended up being in the cast together. And again, this is for the Connecticut tryout, not they've already, have they already done the LA show at this point? Yes. Yeah. This was post um, the Mark taper forum in LA. And this was, this was for Goodspeed. And then I don't know, I didn't audition again from Goodspeed to Broadway. I don't know if they, I'm sure they held, you know, more auditions. I'm sure like equity rules makes them, but a lot of us transitioned from good speed to Broadway as well. And then some people, you know, grew out of it or had other things or whatever. It didn't work. So it was, it was. That's a wild it, day. It's a wild day. Yeah. It was. You need to write funny. that. You need to like write it down. So you have it like in your memoir yeah. or something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was a good time. Yeah. And just the, you know, the people were just incredible and, we, we really had each other's backs when we were in previews on Broadway. Um, we were rehearsing all day and doing the show at night, obviously, you know, and 
and they were changing a lot. So we have the sharp, agile minds of kids, right? Like we have energy to boot. We have a lot of ability to like get it done, but also there were days where we would come in and they would say, okay, we're cutting the intermission. We're cutting the end of act one and beginning of act two. And we're cutting about 20 minutes of material to get it down to 90 minutes for the show tonight. Let's, let's go, let's put it on its feet. And we were having, and then the next day they'd come in and then be like, scratch that. We're going to try it again this way with the intermission again. And with this song again. So there was a lot of chaos and a lot of change. And there were definitely moments where someone would draw a blank because they, they couldn't remember if it was supposed to be today's version or yesterday's version. And it it would just be all of us kind of on stage being like, okay, let's get back on track. Here's your line. And then we would <laughs> get it together and we would do it. And and there was only one cast. It wasn't like double cast or anything. Yeah, there was, there was only one cast, but the Evan Goldman character was played by Graham Phillips on Broadway. And then he had an alternate named Corey Snide who would do the matinee performances. But like, but wow. everyone else one one company and we had a we had a team of i think five swings that were really really talented also teenagers imagine imagine being 13 years old and not only learning one track for a broadway production but, but multiple. learning like five or six yeah i think as an adult that's hard to do yes <laughs> literally like wow you're really the- and then they all showed up they all did their jobs beautifully these kids are dedicated. It sounds oh, like so dedicated. Cause like, I know for Matilda, they had like four Matildas. And then for the child, the children cast, they had like two casts, I believe. Yeah. I think you might be right. I'm not sure. I know I'm, it also kind of splits the yeah. load. I'm, su- along. Yeah. I'm surprised equity. Let them have just one cast except for obviously evan that they had an alternate but like wow wow crazy right y'all were doing broadway at 13 14 years 12 somewhere you were probably 12 um wow yeah but we did it you know and honestly unfortunately the show didn't last very long so we only made it about 100 110 shows something like that um i mean but like that's that's an it uh, I have looked up. It has a life afterwards. Oh, it like, really does, yeah. Because you closed, what, in like, you opened in 2008, uh, like November, but then you closed like the February of 2009 or something like that. Pretty like, much, yeah. Not, it, it's not that long if you think about it, but like, I read that the team re made some revisions in 2009, and I think that is like the permanent script now. Yeah, the the version that they put rights out for like high schools across the country to do is slightly different than the version that we did on Broadway. And I think partially like that's just a testament to how much the creators love the story and want to tell the story that they want to tell. And um, I thought that was what was interesting about seeing the movie is that, okay, now you have a completely different medium. You have completely different parameters for what you can and cannot do how are you going to tell the story in this way? You know, what are you going to add? Which, you know, we've talked about a lot of the things that they've added and what's going to have to go, which, right? you know, we shed our tears for what had to go, but also it made room for some other beautiful moments. So I don't know. It's it's cool to see the story shift over time. And I don't know. Do, have you noticed, did you know that it it's now a global phenomenon in a way? 
Yeah, the yeah. Show. I know. I've seen videos from productions across the world. People will send me videos of themselves singing Patrice's songs. Um, I teach a lot of, like, I teach now in my adulthood. And I've worked with a lot of people who either want to audition for Patrice or just got cast as Patrice and want to work on the music. And that's been really rewarding for me and really fun because I care about this music and I care about the show so much. It did so much for me. And so to be able to connect with people, you know, everywhere in Brazil, in Canada, in Australia, New Zealand, um, really, truly across the globe being moved by these same melodies and these same lyrics and these same characters is really, really special. And like when I, when we were first talking about recording this, didn't you say that Gabriella reached out to you as well? She did. Well, yeah, I, I know her manager. And so when she got cast, I, I, her, her manager basically sent me a little message being like, psst, psst, look, <laughs> like look at who got your who got the job. And so I, I reached out to her and I just let her know that I'm in her corner and that I'm excited for her. And, and she actually came to see me twice to see me play Glinda in Wicked twice. So I feel just like so connected to her. We haven't even really met in person, but I just really care for her. I I want her to succeed. I can only imagine what her experience must have been like both creating the movie and then seeing the final version of the film. Um, and you know, actually, oh, she right. posted, yeah, she because she's a teenager, right? She's like thirteen or fourteen, maybe I don't know, maybe fifteen now. But she posted on her Instagram her "What It Means to Be a Friend" video, and this just really beautiful uh, post about the process and about when she found out that it was cut and how she found out and and what she thinks of it. And I was just reading it, and I was thinking, wow, like this girl is so smart. She's so professional. She's so eloquent in her in her words. And I and I just am proud of her. I feel a sense of pride. I feel a sense of like, oh, I just want to see her succeed and and, and cheer her on and everything she does because she's Aww. got something special. And yeah. <laughs> and the, like- the same could be said to also enter any kid in this movie here. Like absolutely, absolutely. Um, okay. Let's get into Stripe and Flat, shall we? Yeah. <laughs> Stripe Flat. Uh, so in this section, we're going to highlight some moments, whether or not we talked about it. If we liked it, it's sharp. And if we didn't like it or thought it could change, it's flat. And let me tell you, my flats have nothing to do with the actors. It's all like everything. Oh my gosh. <laughs> For, yeah. Because like... Uh, they do such a great job and I feel so unaccomplished. So, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Do you want to go first with your sharps? Yes. I'm looking through my, I, I took notes. I watched Ooh. the movie a second time because I knew we were going to be having this conversation. And, uh, but I didn't organize my notes as like sharps and flats. I organized it like by song and all of the things I liked. And honestly, you I'm going to say the whole like, dang thing. I'm going to have so many more sharps and flats because that's okay. Really, my flats are just, I want more well, of the plot. Like, I want more. I just wanted more. I wanted this to see the deleted scenes. And so I, I went, like, yeah, I just went, like, missing, you know, what we were talking about earlier with, like, the Patrice and the Archie character development. You want, um, like, the DVD of it. So this way you can see. Yeah! Or the director's the cut director's or something. Cut. Yeah. I want the director's cut. Um, but let's see. So some of my sharps 
um, all of the choreography, all of the performances. Yes. Um, I liked, I don't know if this like is what we're looking for here, but in the first dance break in the opening number, uh, they did this like guitar, this big air guitar solo. And I liked that. That was a, that was a sharp for me because we had that in our choreography. So I don't know if it was intentional or not, but it felt like a little homage to the, Oh. Uh, the choreography that Chris Catelli did for us on Broadway. Yeah, I don't know if they meant that, but I saw that and I was like, oh, there's they our guitar move. Like that was, we did that, you know, I felt so excited. There was probably an email. Don't yeah. like, you know, yeah. <laughs> be like, these um, are the Easter eggs we need to include. Because even, oh, even, because I noticed one of the songs that was cut was Hey Kendra, but even oh. Brett makes reference to that as one of the songs he wrote. Yes, I did see that Easter egg. I, I would have loved to see those guys perform that song. Um, they were so funny and everything else that they did on the screen. So I'm sure that number would have been such a hit. Uh, so I'm going to put that as one of my flats, is that I wanted to see them sing Hey Kendra. <laughs> <laughs> the the deleted stuff. You're yeah. Again, again. Yeah, yeah. I loved the new summer song. Yeah. This summer. I Song. the the I don't know the title of it off the top of my head but with Kendra and Brett I've been to waiting a little green yeah I've been waiting I've been waiting I've been waiting that... summer for you that was a new song for the movie that it I thought it was a I saw it as wait wait hold on <laughs> hold on I thought they only added two I've been oh you're right they have shit I'm so bad at this no 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 <laughs> No, no, no! It's totally, it's all good. That I think was the like the greatest addition of a song. Talk about a top forty hit! I've had that song stuck in my head since August twelfth. The movie came out. <laughs> I've I been, love that song. I've been calling it the summer loving song. Totally, it's absolutely the summer loving song, and it was just so pure and fun. I loved it, um, and their performances were amazing. The first song that I saw, they released the OPP opportunity. I video. fell in love with that song. And I really was blown away. I mean, the song I recognize, the song was similar. Some of the lyrics were changed. But, um, <laughs> and then you but, listen to the lyrics and you're like, oh, no. I, you know, they made their appropriate changes. And I literally think that in the Broadway version, the end of the song where she was saying, I need to take this opportunity, she knocked Kendra off the top of the cheer, like pyramid to like, injure her so that she couldn't go on the date with Brett. I mean, it was literally like she was a bully. She was like a bad girl in the musical. And here she's just fierce, uh, confident, and like living her best life. I think, I don't know if this is like a sharp or a flat. It's somewhere in between. Had a and had she not given the 150% commitment that she gave on the rap solo, I think I maybe would have been like, what is happening? When what? they, when all these kids started rapping, I was just like, I hate, I, I need to leave. I need to leave their world because they're amazing. Like, yeah. Not only can I... they sing and dance and act, but they also are rapping and it like, works that's what i'm saying it works and i think it works really because of frankie's performance like she killed it and i could i could see her in hamilton yeah totally i could see her in anything i could see her i could see her in elphaba i could see her but like but like but like 
see but her singing of- stars and Sh- or stars and ships or whatever that song is where it's like the really oh my fast gosh. rap yes yes yeah. yeah yeah okay so she impressed me in that i i liked it because of her performance um also i i literally have it written down as in the blood master i i wrote in all caps hold up hold up lucy solo is fierce and then i also have in all caps that's right. Whatever. I don't know the melody. Cassie solo. I think the character was Cassie, but uh, I don't know who the actress's name was. Anyway, all my sh- all my sharps are just these kids are singing their faces off, and it sounds so good. So, uh, <laughs> oh, oh, I have a flat. I have a flat. Oh well, let me let me do my sharps first, and then we'll do the flats. So okay, okay. I agree with you. Jamel Sims' choreography slaps so hard, as well as the music. Like I wasn't expecting this, and again. I like lost my mind because I watched it twice. And the second time I was just like, this is Jason Robert Brown music. This is Jason Robert Brown music. I don't, I don't understand how this is, how he wrote this and the last five years around the same time. Like crazy, (laughs) right? Because there are other composers, um, laundry list of composers that like they borrow the same melody or they, they, you could tell it's a, their show, but like I could, I I would have thought this is probably Lin Manuel Miranda or right? something. Um, <sighs> I I also sharped the fact that they cast actual people of the age or yeah. around the age of thirteen because like because yeah. like we're so used to like Greece where they're in their twenties or thirties and then High School Musical where they're clearly like almost twenty but these are kids. I think Brett, maybe like 16. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But like, he works as a 13. I mean, he's probably not. He's probably just a really tall 13-year-old. Who knows? Um, mm-hmm. I also, I oh God, the music slaps so hard. Like, Opportunity yes. is great. 13, the song is great. The actress who plays Kendra, sharping her, sharping all the kids. But yeah. But like, when she whales in what pick a song you have to look up they they also released an extended version of getting ready that features her and features Stop. her lucy and brett what? um because Stop. some of that was cut for the, the movie again i don't know their reasonings why we just had to push the story along but they released the extended version and it's really good they sound and they are just really really good i will be digging on youtube later um yeah. and this one line, I laughed so hard at it both times. Um, I'm sharpening the the line. I'm getting notes of jalapenos and bowling shoes. Oh my gosh! <laughs> oh. I don't know that character's name because that's a that's a blonde, right? No, that was the other one, oh, like oh, his oh. counterpart. Okay, um, okay. So every once in a while, I have in this section, I have what I like to call a natural. You kind of had one where it's neither sharp nor flat, but we still like uh-huh. need to talk about it. And the natural for this, because it is like, I don't know everyone's name. Oh, yeah. Or they say their name once and it's a throwaway line. Like, Charlotte. Yeah. I only know that because I had to look up this person and what she actually looks like without all yeah. the pigtails. Oh, my gosh. Um, I get it. It's not important to the story, but like, I would like to know. Um, okay. So what is your flat besides the non-director's cut where everything is? My flat is that they had to change and I understand why they had to do it. 
but they had to change one line in Getting Ready where Archie is singing in the, in the movie. He goes, Kendra just needs a love God like me. That's his line in the movie. What I know of that line is, Kendra just needs a sex god like me. <laughs> Which is so funny because first of all, he's 12, you know? And second of all, he's just this geek. He's this like geek in this show. And um, so I was sad that they had to change that. I understand why, but boo, I was sad. <laughs> it's called delusion. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. And then also the end of that song, um, the very final note, I'm getting ready, ready, ready now. In the Broadway version, not to toot my own horn, but they go, Allie, can you sing the high C? And I was like, yeah. And I went, no. And I sang this like top note. And I was listening for it in this movie and they just didn't have anyone singing up there that I could hear. And so that was a flat for me because I was like, somebody wanted, I don't know who, but somebody wanted to be singing that high C and nobody got to do it. And I missed that. <laughs> um, I flatted the styling. Cause again, mm. I was just like, this is, this is, it feels like an adult, what adults think children or teenagers are styled um mm-hmm. and then i also flatted deborah messing's wig <laughs> yeah that's fair that one's fair that's a good it w- one it was bad in some scenes it also was bad it was just so bad. <laughs> <laughs> like why couldn't she have her natural red hair why yeah. i don't know i don't i also <laughs> the first time i watched it i forgot i forgot it was deborah messing and i was just like oh this actress is nice you know she's very (laughs) she gets it and everything and then all of a sudden the ending credits where they're doing like the the outtakes or the slating and everything and i was just like deborah messing that is so funny the wig made her unrecognizable (laughs) my first time around yes um Uh, are there any songs you would add from the movie to your life's playlist and by this i mean like you're you're walking to work or you're working out or something like what would you listen to yeah from- absolutely i've been waiting all summer for you <laughs> i mean it's already been added to the life's playlist because it's been stuck in my head it's been like a constant tab just playing in the background but <laughs> i would add that one i would start it and put it on repeat <laughs> i i'm gonna agree with you I don't think I would add opportunity because like I like the visual of it. But uh-huh. the song is banger. Don't get me wrong. But I think yeah. I, I think I need to watch it to appreciate it more. But uh, yeah. the other one I'm going to add is the anthem. A little more homework. I was just going to say the exact same thing. There is nothing in this musical to me that hits harder than the end of that song when the music cuts out and you just have this choir of kids' voices singing, I am trying to follow, I'm trying to lead, I'm trying to learn what is true. I'm trying to be what you want and I need, but we all have a little more homework to do. I'm going to turn... 28 this year and these lyrics still make me cry because I feel that so deeply in my core and that is something that Jason Robert Brown has has blown the roof off in succeeding is creating a lyric that can both resonate for a 12 year old and a 30 year old and a 50 year old there yeah. I it isn't it's you're right it's an anthem it's an absolute anthem because did you I mean 
in the stage version, did you see it as an anthem? Yes, absolutely. Okay. I mean, and the staging for us, you know, like I said, there are 13 of us on this big, bold stage trying to just take up space. And we have all of us kind of spread out. And right before the music cuts out and the music goes, do, 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 do. We all end up standing at the very edge of the stage. Nothing else on stage. It's an empty stage. A line of kids standing and singing this to the audience. And it's just, and the music cuts out. So it's just our voices, you know, with these really strong, perfect harmonies too. It, it, it was so moving and um, oh. I'll never forget that. And they did it really well in the movie too, you know, like. With the, py the pyramid effect. Yeah, they, the, they exactly. Could. They could. Yep. I really did like though. I really did like that staging where it was the the kids walking down the street, and then they were like, "Okay, bye, background extras. It's just now yeah. the main cast." Yeah. And it was it was powerful. I, you know what? I kind of wish they kept the extra kids too, and they were lip syncing and everything, because this way then, it's a bigger group of kids. Because like, we're also this. COVID is, is always going to be around, but we're coming out of lockdowns and pandemic times and everything. And like these kids to get existential for, <laughs> to get meta also for a second, these kids had to like be in school virtually for a year. So everyone and like everyone is messed up after COVID. And so hearing that song, you're just like, Oh shit. Mm -hmm. And like, mm -hmm. and like, I know I, I like said that these kids talk like they're 35, but like everyone had to grow up in the last two years. Like yeah. every, you, you, there wasn't like any, you couldn't be like the stereotypical stupid kid and run in the middle of the street and everything. Like y'all needed to take responsibility and everything. And so that line hits hard. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. Allie, this has been wonderful. We've come to the end of the episode somehow. Uh, <laughs> is there anything you want to plug, promote? Uh, no, I'm in Wicked as the standby till the end of October. So maybe some of your listeners will end up seeing me do that. This is like totally a dream come true role for me. Um, but otherwise, I'm just hanging out. I'm just teaching. My Instagram is my name, Allie Trim. Uh, so you can find me there nice That's it. Yeah. and anything after october or can you not say right now you know it's all in the works it's okay. all in the works well, well i i can't wait for the day that you're nominated queen of theater so um <laughs> it's, and and then gabriella is gonna snatch that title from you anyway yeah, she's gonna come right on up. <laughs> um and if you have if you want to like talk more about 13 tell me your story i mean uh I only have one person here who was in it. There's so many that were in the Broadway version or any version of it. Did you know Jason Robert Brown directed a version of it in the West End? That was I a like, super limited run. Yeah, I wish I could have seen it, but they, they made an album for that too, I'm pretty sure. And that's on Spotify that people can listen to. And he and, oh, which one was it? I, I, I This episode's never going to end. Sorry. Uh, he and Dan actually wrote the novelization which like this movie took elements from so yeah, very fun so i'm intrigued i may want to read the book i don't know um yeah. if you have a copy of the book or can tell me where to get it you can email me at buttersongpod at gmail.com i'm also on facebook instagram twitter and tiktok at buttersongpod 
I got nothing. This is great. Uh, and if you want to be part of the next episode's conversation, we're going to be talking about the Harvey girls. So, Ooh. yeah. Allie, thank you so much. I know you're super busy being Glinda. Uh, <laughs> yeah, my pleasure. I love 13. I love talking about it. I really loved watching the movie. So I'm glad that people are engaging with it. And and I hope your listeners watch the movie, love it, and then I, watch the, the bootlegs online. It's on, <laughs> the, the ne- it's on Netflix. So yeah. keep watching it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, bye for now, everyone. Bye. Special thanks to Justin Johnson for creating the podcast's artwork and to Nick Bombasino for composing the theme song and the jingles in this podcast. And thank you to CastBox for hosting this podcast. Bye again, everyone, and have a musical day.